0: Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy to follow Jesus in 2021. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and how can we become more like Christ and share him with the world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome! And thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Real Christian Talk. How important is it that we do not shrink back from talking about the entirety of God's Word and of God's message. Why is it important that we not avoid sticky, tough subjects, controversial issues that are sure to get us, uh, you know, rejection from our culture? Why is it important that we talk about things we don't like talking about? That's what we're going to be discussing in today's episode of Real Christian Talk. I'm going to begin, as I always do, by reading a passage from Scripture. This one's very short, but it's to the point. It's from the book of Acts Chapter 20, verse 27. And it says this. It says, For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Very poignant scripture and very relevant for today's world and culture that we live in. I wanted to begin by talking to you about how I recently was thinking about something that was very, very odd. Very, very odd, at least for those of us who live on the east coast of the United States. For the last several weeks, every day when we go outside, we have been hearing this noise. This noise that's loud, that's annoying, and quite frankly, that was giving me a headache. What was the sound? It was the sound of of the cicadas, <laughs> the cicadas, those, those precious, uh, visitors we get every 17 years here in, uh, the East coast and beginning in, in sometime in, in late May, they emerged from being underground and they, and they, uh, they, they greeted us with their carcasses, their shells everywhere as they were, as they were going about doing what they do every 17 years. They greeted us with flying into our windshields when we'd be driving on the highway. And anyway, they'd greet us with shrieking sounds when you'd step on them. They greeted us with this sound that kind of made me think of a Twilight Zone episode. I'll never forget when when I when I first realized the zacadas were back, when I was getting ready and I heard this weird sound coming from outside of my house and I kept wondering what in the world is going on out there. I thought maybe it was some kind of truck that was outside or maybe it was some kind of aircraft or something weird and then I'll never forget stepping outside and hearing what I thought were were something that sounded like a spaceship and no it was the cicadas the cicadas were out and about and they have greeted us constantly with their noise for the last several weeks here in the east coast of the united states and i live in maryland so we have definitely been having lots of cicadas lots of cicadas that have been have been greeting us and um well i noticed something very odd after getting used to hearing the loud blaring cicadas for the last several weeks i heard silence when I came outside. At least silence when it came to the lack of noise from the cicadas. I was able to step outside and actually not have a headache. I was able to step outside and have relative calm and, 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 and it, so it suddenly dawned on me that the cicadas, well, they were gone and uh, so their, their you know, 17-year cycle is, is ending and, and they won't be back for another 17 years. But, you know, I learned a couple of things from having our Zacata friends, um, aside, of course, from, from, <laughs> from how to drive on the highway and not be phased when you're, you're having constant bombardment of these things ramming into your windshield. No, I learned other things. I learned of how deafening a loud sound can be and how deafening silence can be. And I learned when I reflected upon the fact that the cicadas show up every 17 years, I have two small children, and I realized that the next time the cicadas pay us a visit, my small children will be young adults. And that kind of awakened within me a sense of urgency for the small window of time I have For speaking into their lives and helping, along with my wife, to provide a loving, balanced, but biblical foundation for them to to have for their lives a biblical lens and worldview through which they can deal with and be prepared to handle the bombardment they will face when they go out into the world. Those were the kind of things that I've really been taking to heart here this summer, thanks to our Cicada friends. And it's not just the Cicadas that have been very loud this summer. Our culture has become increasingly louder and bolder with, with proclaiming its messaging, particularly on sexuality and gender, as we have all seen in the last month. I've become used to Pride Month becoming a, a cultural holiday period. Um, as an adult, look... Hey, I I can deal with that. I'm bombarded with things and messages as a Christian that I'm offended by every day. I've gotten used to that. That doesn't faze me. But what I have noticed this past Pride Month more than any other as it's just ended was that the degree of messaging from our culture on LGBTQ ideology has gotten so much more extensive, so much more expansive. Just a couple of days ago, the NFL ended June's pride month with an ad saying football is gay. And, and, and the Babylon be a Christian satire site immediately followed up with a headline, which said football is gay. And I didn't say it, the NFL did. And, and that's like a joke, but yet that's legitimately what happened. And, And, and so when you look at Christian satire sites, like, the babylon be uh they their their headlines are are supposed to be funny but yet they're often just true i mean they're stealing from what's exactly going on in our world and in our culture and so as messaging has continued to become more expansive more extensive um where we are bombarded constantly with uh with this um and there's really no place to really hide from it now that stuck out to me the other thing that stuck out to me was the degree to which um our culture is really targeting children now with that messaging if you've been paying attention this pride month we saw sesame street nickelodeon blues clues Disney, several others um, that really target children with messaging on sexuality and and really trying to indoctrinate them with the, the mantra of culture on sexuality and gender and bring up issues to our children that I never dreamed I'd have to possibly talk to them about this early. And yet that is the world in which we live in. A couple of years ago, the creator of VeggieTales, the renowned Christian animated uh, series, gave an interview and he flat out said that he believed that children animation for Christian children is going to have to start addressing LGBTQ relationships. It's going to have to start addressing sexuality because culture is and the church is simply cannot afford to be silent. And yet, the reality is, if you look at the stats of what's happening with those who profess to be Christians, what is resoundingly clear is the deafening silence from the pulpit, the deafening abdication of responsibility from many Christian parents, and the lack of substance in what is being taught and what is being presented in the church in America by and large. Because, let's just face it, we don't like talking about tough subjects. I recently saw a quote from a mega church uh, pastor that I respect, and and uh, and and it kind of caught my attention, and it really kind of exemplified the thinking that I do see in a lot of pulpits and from a lot of the church in America. And basically, the quote, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, said. Essentially, that it's best to try and not deal with controversial uh, issues as much as possible. That it's 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 best to avoid those things so that you don't uh, lose your sense of love for those to whom you're trying to convey truth to. Now, that's Stephen Mitchell just paraphrasing that quote. But essentially, that's basically what it said it said that it's best to to mingle with points of controversy as little as possible it's a quote uh from from john wesley actually and uh and it said that essentially when you do that you do have a tendency to to forget love in the process and 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 that quote stuck out to me because um you know i think there's some truth to it i think that uh too often christians respond in one of two ways when it comes to the bombardment we are getting in our society we respond either by by beating people over the head with truth, of over trying to uh, win arguments, over trying to win debates, or we um, engage we engage with with people with love. Uh, in in the name of love, we we try to to not deal with or talk about things that are going to be offensive as much as possible because we don't want to offend anyone. And uh, we live in a hyper sensitive culture now, where where basically we, as Billy Graham said, we care about not offending anyone except God. And yet the sad truth and the sad reality is on the one hand, I do agree that there are certainly uh, points of foolish controversy that the Bible even says we should try to avoid divisive secondary issues that are easily debated. In that sense, I would agree with the quote, you know, it is best to, to try and avoid those things uh, to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine. You know, does the rapture happen before, during, or after the great tribulation? Um, You know, so all kinds of things that Christians debate about, you know, politics, Trump versus biden the election all that stuff the the you know the 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 pandemic uh to wear a mask or not wear a mask there have been so many ridiculous points of controversy that have only further entangled the church in 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 uh bitter division you know uh the, the 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 degree of which racism is still a factor in our society how do we respond to it should we respond to it can we respond to it um you know is it a pure distraction from the gospel to acknowledge it exists at all you know uh all all those things, um, all of it I've seen only further widen the divide within the church. So in that sense, if that's the heart behind the quote that was shared, I certainly can get behind that statement. But I cannot help but but think that, that part of the purpose of the quote was to say that that it's best for us to try and avoid controversy altogether as as much as possible. And I'm just here to say in 2021 America, if you are a sincere Bible-believing Christian, that is simply not going to be an option. Avoiding controversy is not an option because silence is not an option. Silence over the tough things, over the hard things, over the controversial things, over the sensitive things, over some of the things Jesus had to say, over the fact that the Bible teaches that there's an eternal conscious hell that awaits those who knowingly willfully reject Jesus Christ for salvation, the fact that Jesus Christ said he and he alone is the way the truth and the life and that no one can come to the father through him, the fact that the Bible is adamantly clear that that sexual intimacy was designed and intended to be expressed in the context of heterosexual monogamous marriage. Um, you know, the fact that our Gender is biological according to scripture. You know, these are our points of controversy. The fact that saying your truth and my truth is simply irrelevant according to scripture, they're simply the truth. These are points of controversy that we will not be able to avoid if we are to hold fast to the message of the gospel and of what scripture has to say. And I do think it's important that we remember not to lose the fact that that we are called to love. We are called to love people with a radical love, the love of God. You know, we have to channel Jonah who who refused to proclaim the message of repentance to the audience at which he ministered because he was afraid they would actually heed his warning and repent. And he had such utter contempt and hatred for the people he ministered to that he didn't want to share a message of repentance. He didn't want to warn them that judgment is coming. But see, today, we think we're doing the world a favor by not telling it that judgment's coming, by not calling it to repentance. And I saw an article that a friend of mine shared on social media that really echoed that theme, and it was called God Loves LGBTQ People More Than Anyone. And the point in the thesis essentially was. If I'm paraphrasing, we're not doing the LGBTQ community any favors by not speaking biblical truth in love to them about the sinfulness of homosexuality, but about the radical love that God has for them as individuals. You see, that is the calling we have as Christians, and we simply cannot afford to, to be silent about those things, and we cannot avoid it. And unfortunately, some biblical popular teachers and preachers, they'll say, well, I I don't feel a calling to talk about these certain issues or these certain subjects, you know, I don't feel like that's my ministry or my focus. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, uh, you know, every Christian, not just a pastor, not just a preacher or teacher, every Christian has a biblical responsibility, a biblical responsibility to proclaim not just some truth, not just all of the truth, but the whole truth, the whole truth, the totality of God's word and of God's message, including when it's going to step on our toes and it's going to get us uncomfortable. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, that as we increasingly get toward the end of history, people will not want to hear the truth. People will gravitate to teachers who will tell them what their itching ears are want to hear they're going to turn in and tune in to people that are going to give them a message that makes them feel good and that makes them feel as little conviction as possible and that is not love that is not mercy if anything that is the definition of hatred how much do you have to hate someone to not be willing to tell them the biblical truth that is the question all of us have to deal with and all of us have to wrestle with the bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness To those who are perishing. So, in that sense, regardless, we are going to have a collision course of controversy. In today's world, in today's culture, in the West, and in the United States now more so, simply preaching what the Bible has to say about different issues and different subjects is all you'll need to court controversy. And the reality is, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you, when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, when we're rejected and maligned for simply standing by biblical truth and proclaiming it in love, well, that is something worth dying for. That is something worth being unliked for. That is something worth being blocked for. Because Jesus said, it's not you and it's not me that they're tuning out. It's him that they're tuning out. And so we simply can no longer afford to avoid talking about these things. We have to talk about them to our children and grandchildren. Deuteronomy chapter six tells us that we should talk about it when we get up. We should talk about his word, you know, in every occasion we can, we should write it on the doorposts of our homes. We should write it on our, on our arms. You know, it's just that idea of we need to convey biblical truth. We need to prepare our children and grandchildren and speak into their lives and influence them as much as we possibly can Because God knows the world will do all of it for us if we allow it to. We simply cannot afford to avoid talking about tough subjects like like sexuality to our children. We do not want public school systems or Nickelodeon or any other cultural uh, outlet to be that which determines the messaging for these issues and these subjects. They need to hear our voice before they hear the voices that they're going to have to reckon with in the world. And it's not just children and grandchildren that need that preparation. It is the body of Christ as a whole. And pastors and ministers and missionaries, and frankly, any Christian that's truly saved and truly knows Jesus is performing a dereliction of duty if for fear of offending or fear of causing controversy, we are not willing to address what needs to be addressed. We are not willing to proclaim the totality of the gospel message. We are not willing to... To stand by the truth of God's word no matter what it says. Even if it's going to offend someone. No, God's word is very clear about what we are called to do. And the prophet Jeremiah said it best. He said, when I tried to, to not speak his name, when I tried to not mention him, his word was in my heart like a fire that was shut up in my bones and I could not help but speak it. I had to proclaim his name. I had to tell others about him. And that's how passionate we should be about God's word. That's how passionate we should be about the totality of the message. So yes, I am for as Christians, uh, first and foremost, making sure we understand that we have been called to address the tough topics of our day with love and truth, not with all love and no truth and not with all truth and no love, but with love and truth. And, and it's important that we remember that it's important. We, remember that Jesus came, lived, and died for every single human being that has ever been ever will be and ever will be again and it's important for us to recognize the dignity and worth of those to whom we are called to minister we do not want to become like Jonah we do not want to demonize people that Jesus came lived and died for that he was born into this world for who were created in the image of God but on the same token it's important to recognize all of us have had a fallen nature we were born with thanks to what occurred in the, in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 and all of us need the saving knowledge and redemption that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ which is accessed when we are willing to be repentant and we come to him in faith because it's by grace through faith alone that we get saved and when we do that Jesus Christ transforms our lives and he gives us a new life and part of how we live in that new life is by learning according to Ephesians chapter 4 the truth that is in Jesus that we are called to put off our old nature and put on the new created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness and simply telling people that God accepts their sin and he is willing to tolerate that and that they need not worry about him wanting them to repent in certain areas of their life. That is not the gospel. That is not the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ offers us a better way. He offers us a new life. He offers us redemption and a reprieve from from the, the curse of sin, from the power of sin, and from the penalty of sin, which is death and hell eternally. And we need, now more than ever before, God is looking for us as believers in Christ as we get ready to observe that here in the U.S. the July 4th weekend, He is looking for us to be those watchmen on the wall. The watchman on the wall that Ezekiel talks about, who, when they saw danger coming, they blared the trumpet. They made noise. They tried to warn people of imminent danger. And then if people responded, they're spared. But the watchmen did their role, did their job. But the Bible says God will hold accountable those watchmen who see the danger, who know the truth, who know better, and yet choose for fear of causing controversy to telling them the truth. God says that he will hold those watchmen accountable. And that's a word for all of us to remember. The Bible says his people perish for lack of knowledge. It is imperative, now more than ever, I will never forget, when I did an internship in a church with a, a large youth ministry, and I noticed this pro- this pattern that concerned me. The pastor rarely, if ever, taught from Scripture to the children. Large youth ministry, at least 50 teenagers, maybe more than that. They had a huge band. They had lots of games, but they barely touched God's Word. And I'll never forget, I confronted the pastor about it, and he told me, well, here, worship is where this youth group gets its thing from God. And I challenged him to remember if Jesus Christ himself when confronted with the lies of the enemy quoted the truth of God's word back to him, don't you think these kids are going to need to be equipped with God's word to refute the lies of the enemy. And I believe that now more than ever for all of the body of Christ it is imperative that we know the truth so we can speak the truth and that we do so in love hour is at hand. As a German pastor who was killed by the Nazis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, silence in the face of evil is evil, and we simply cannot afford to avoid talking about those things which we must be willing to talk about. So I encourage you, as I always do at the close of every episode, from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, to stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.